We are going to be uncovering some untold riches. Let's do this. All right, guys, welcome to another episode of Untold Riches. We're super excited for our special guest this week, Salah Kwar. He's with us today. He is a highly recognized top producing real estate agent uh, in the Northern Virginia, D.C. metro market. He also works in D.C. and Maryland as a licensed agent. I've been doing this a long time. I've I've had the privilege of getting to work with him for a while. Got to know him um, uh, from our like shared experience. Myself as a 30 under 30 finalist, didn't quite break that, crack that nut, but Salak made it all the way through also as a 40 under 40 uh, winner this past year. He is just absolutely crushing it. He's got a great perspective on life and I'm super interested to hear what he has to share. So Peyton, why don't we bring him on and kick this thing off? Can't wait. All right, let's get it done. Well, I think there's a good segue then, man. So let's like kick this off for people who may not know who you are. Introduce yourself to us. Tell us a little bit about you, you know, uh, a little bit of your story. I got to learn a little bit about it recently because you asked me to help you with your bio. And right. so we put a little something together and, and I learned a lot about you in that process. And so tell some of our listeners, some of our viewers uh, who you are, uh, something maybe that's a little noteworthy about you or something you think would be interesting and, and kind of where you started and how you got to where you are now. Um, yeah, I mean, so my name is Salah Kavar, obviously. I've been working with our, being licensed with uh, Pearson Smith uh, for the past six years. I've been actually licensed for nine years. And before what I did, before selling real estate, I was actually in uh, property management. I used to work for Van Meter, worked for them for about six, six and a half years. So I learned the trade with, uh, with that company, which was great. Um, you know, following of lead conversion, all that kind of stuff. And since it was a bigger company, um, they kind of had everything down. So it actually really helped me in the real estate world when I started selling um, because I learned from Van Meter, obviously one of the prominent b- builders out our way. Uh, and before that, I was in high school. So, you know, uh, not not going not going too far back. Um, but that being said, um, I am an immigrant, which is kind of something different. Uh, a lot of people don't realize. People think I grew up here. I came here in 1999. I was 12 years old. Um, and, you know, I just don't understand still to this day. I have two kids right now how the hell my parents decided to move, pick up from a country they know everybody, everything, and come to a completely strange country to kind of start fresh. But then I get it now, right? So I'm kind of um, showing what happened, right? They wanted a different yeah. life. So in Pakistan, where I'm from, a lot is all about who your dad is. You know what I mean? You're not going to get that far. Like, it's your dad is this, you're going to be this, right? So when people ask you who you are, they don't ask you who you are. He's like, who's your father? Literally, like, you know, when you're younger, it's like, who's your father? Like, it really matters. It's kind of, I wouldn't say like, I'm not probably describing the best, but it's not really a caste system, but you're kind of trapped in a world, right? Like, it's Mm -hmm. like you are what your family and what your father does is kind of, you kind of stuck to that. So obviously the American dream is what kind of brought my parents out this way, leaving everything behind, starting over here. My parents are just, you know, they, uh, my mom still works for Van Meter. She's been working for Van Meter for over 20 years as an assistant property manager, a dad does like a minimum wage type of job um, in the airline industry. That's his that's where his background was. Um, so it's like, you know, I'm not coming from wealth. Um, I, I joke around because long story short, when I was in Pakistan, I was really wealthy. Right. Even over there, if you're middle class, you have housekeepers, uh, you have drivers, you have cooks. I mean, I came from that lifestyle. All of a sudden we're coming to America. Being given this whole American dream. And then all of a sudden I got to do my own laundry. I was like, wait, what? (laughs) I have never done laundry before because we had servants, right? So it was a big culture shock. Um, I hated it here, man. I tell you, my lifestyle changed dramatically 
And I hated it here for the first few years. But then obviously, as you grow old, you get you become an adult, you realize like, you know, the true uh, form of American dream. And, you know, where you don't have to be limited by what your family does. And you could kind of go and chase and do what you want to do. Um, believe it or not, in high school, I knew I wanted to be in real estate. I Googled. Uh, Wait, uh, why? Tell me more about, about this. Tell yeah. me more about it. why real estate. What was it about real estate? So I, I, I'm, I'm going right into it. So, all right, um, I'm, I'm pumped today, man. So I'm gonna I'm gonna tell me what to stop. Tell me what to change direction. But I'll tell you. So I think it was Ask Jeeves. It wasn't even Google because in 2005 there wasn't Google. It wasn't around. I don't from what I recall. Shout out Actually, Google was, but it was just coming up. But it was Ask Jeeves that everybody used to be on. And I Ask Jeeves best dressed profession and number one came up was real estate agents, and that is the reason why. I wanted to be a real estate agent. I wanted to always dress up. And it's so funny. I'm, I land in Pearson Smith Realty where you don't need to wear a suit to sell real estate, right? But the funniest thing is the whole reason I wanted to be in it, I just wanted to wear suits. I wanted to dress yeah. up. And, you know, when I was in property management, I mean, I always had a suit for the day, you know, um, and I loved it. And then I came into real estate and my mentor, Leo Perea, he was just like, hey, stop wearing suits. And I'm like, wait, what? He's like, you got to mirror match your client. So it's like you show up with a suit, they're going to think salesy, you know, sleazy type of thing. So he's like, you know, you got to dress professional. You want to be one up your client. You don't want to go too far up your client because then it kind of. And honestly, I mean, ever since I started showing million dollar properties too, most of my clients show up in sweats. So if you're they're coming in sweats, you don't want to be showing up in a suit. It just doesn't it just it just doesn't feel right. You know what I mean? So. It's funny. That's the reason why I wanted to be in real estate, but it changed dramatically once, obviously, I, the mentor when I joined well, the team. back on that, um, I just showed a couple of million dollar homes. We have a buyer that's up in, up in uh, like Loudon who's looking at some houses. And like, you know, it's the first time we'd gone out and we'd had some interactions. They're really good people, but we had interactions that, you know, they wanted somebody who presented themselves who was going to be accessible and, and took it seriously. And they communicated that to us. So I was like, all right, normally I'm pretty like you are. Like I'll wear, I'll dress nice, business casual. And I, whatever, but I'm like, okay, I'll go ahead and come correct. So I show up and I'm wearing like a shirt with like roses on it and like my shiny pants and like my wedding shoes and, and my watch I never wear. And I show up and they're like hoodies and cargo shorts and their daughter's in a tutu. And I was like, man, I'm wearing, <laughs> I'm wearing jeans next time, bro. I, was like, I, felt, I felt real silly showing a couple of houses to these folks. So uh, it is funny. It's like you just, and that's part of it though. I don't know if you found that, but as you grew as a realtor, as I grew as a realtor, realizing that cash is not king and kings don't always have cash. Like that's not the mentality people approach it with in this area. Have, do you find that influences kind of how you interact with people day to day? Like it's changed how I relate to everyone all the time. Just kind of learning that about people in a sales capacity. How does that affect you kind of daily? Um, yeah. I mean, so it is, it is different, right? You know, at the, at the same time, you don't want to be like, you know, sloppy, right? right. Like, because you are, I, I, I'm a firm believer in you're going to get addressed how you dress. You get, or whatever that saying is, right? Because I've noticed it, if I'm dressed better, people treat me nicely. Like, even if you go in for anything, asking for favors, whatever it may be, uh, flying. If you fly a lot, we travel a lot. I used to dress in sweats and a whole different experience when I started wearing, like, you know, some somewhat semi-professional black jeans, a button-up and things like that. You just get treated better. So I noticed that big time. Um, at the same time, right, the culture is changing, right? With the with the 
I don't know, like with Google and all these, you know, um, West, uh, it was a Silicon Valley, um, the CEOs kind of started changing the game, right? Like, you know, I think it was, uh, um, Steve jobs, right. Showing up in a black, uh, turtleneck or whatever it may be. So I think the trend has been changing. Um, but at the same time, you know, you gotta be true to yourself. I do like to dress nice. It's still in the back of my head. Right. Um, but I, Kind of like, you know, when I'm showing houses, I don't want to be too overly nice because you don't want to make people feel uncomfortable. People feel more relaxed when you're relaxed. So it's just like mimicking, you know, um, overall in the sales profession, I do feel like, you know, it matters. Um, you got to be nice. You got to be clean cut at the same time. Be true to yourself. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I'll tell you, like when I first met with Eric, kind of changed my whole perspective on things because I bought a new jacket and, you know, like I'm I'm. Semi, you know, with a T-shirt and a blazer and I meet with him and he's wearing basketball shorts and a hoodie. And I'm like, damn, I got dressed up for this guy. You know what I mean? But I mean, it set the tone and I signed up that day. So it worked. I didn't realize that was your story with him. I, I you know, I've shared a few times. I don't think on the podcast, but when I met Eric for the first time, like I had to like back channel a meeting with him. Like I knew somebody went to school with him who like reached out and got me a meeting because it was like, you know, I was doing my market research. I saw they were huge up and coming from a broker standpoint and even his individual production like he was just he didn't exist and then he was huge um and i was like i gotta get in with him and so you know at that at, at that point i was wearing three-piece suits every day like bow ties pocket squares just like i had braces on and suspend like it was ridiculous dude like i, I mean i loved it i did for a long time i really liked it but it started to get old as i got older like i had to dress nice because i got into real estate at 18 and people were asking me if i rode my bike to their listing appointment so it was like, all right, I'm not showing up in flip flops and t-shirt and like shorts and I'm going to land a listing because I look like an 18 or 19 year old. I had to like stand out a little bit. But then as I got older and I was like, I actually know this stuff. Like I've done, a, I got a track record speak for itself. I don't have to dress up anymore. And when I sat down with Eric, I didn't, I went in first, I sat down in the conference room and he walks in and I think like he bent down and threw something in the trash. I was like, oh, the janitor's here in the middle of the day. That's weird. And then he <laughs> sat down and introduced himself and it took me like a double take. <laughs> I was like, wait, what, who are you? Who, who are That's you? So funny. And, you know, and I like, it's so funny. I guess I have people describe, they're like, yeah, he had like coffee stain on his shirt. Like he just, it just shows you, man. It's, 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 it's more about the talent. It's more about what you do and how you pour into the things that you do and how you serve other people more than how you dress. Right. No, a hundred percent. So honestly, I would, I did not want to be part of Pearson Smith at all. I was with Keller Williams. I love Keller Williams. I was drinking that Kool-Aid, like, you know, double time and, or whatever. <laughs> and <laughs> shouldn't have done that. We could get it edit that out. Uh, long story short, I was literally all about KW life, right? Gary Keller. I mean, being part of Leo Perea team, you know, my mentor, I mean, it's hard to kind of look past kind of what he created. Um, you know, I was able to meet some of the big, big names, you know, rubbing elbows with them. So I really felt like I was part of something. Um, yeah. Obviously, as you guys know, that I was part of 30 under 30 as well. Yeah. So I was like one of the four in KW that got it that year. So KW itself, um, you know, sent sent a lot of stuff. You know, it was like my, my year to shine or whatever it was. Um, so I didn't want to leave. I just met with Eric. I was like, hey, you know, it's Ashburn. I went to Eric and I went to high school together. He was a little um, he was like a year or so ahead. So, I mean, I had classes with Janet. So, like, I mean, you know, just to kind of give you an idea. And Chuck Smith's son, Dean, and I graduated together. So we were mm. actually so I was like, it kind of feels like the mom and pop. And I like that typically in the back of my head. Right. And, you know, making fun of Eric, like wearing a uh, hoodie and uh, gym shorts is one thing. But he said the right things that I wanted to hear that I didn't even go meet with Keller William Ashburn. Like, I just was like, 
yo, this guy is the truth. I saw the office. I was, I mean, I'm, everybody's proud of him. I mean, you know, he is our, uh, our leader, but like he knew exactly what to say to get me to just like sign on the dot. So yeah, he, uh, his thing is he flexes in the right areas, right? right. You don't flex in what he, how he dresses. He doesn't flex in his car. I remember when I first joined staff and was working with them and we'd be like, what car are we taking? Cause we ride places together. And like, all I know is we're not taking Eric's car. And it was like, <laughs> one, we couldn't get in it. Two, it was like, yeah, we don't know what, like, <laughs> we don't know what you might have a health concern after getting out of it. Like, it, but he just didn't care. Like the optics on how he dressed and the optics on what he drove, he was like, I'm not even going to worry about that stuff because the stuff that really matters, he poured everything into like his agents and recruiting and giving them the best systems and giving them the best compensation packages. Right. And when I met him, like I joked about that meeting before, at the end of that meeting, I was like salivating at like, how do I get this dude to hire me? Like I've got to figure now, like it's just reverse me. I'm trying to just figure out his secrets. And then it comes from like, he was an open book and I went, dude, I, whatever <laughs> I, need, I don't know what I need to do, but I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to draw and work for this company. Yeah. And then, I mean, you can't like, look at our, look at our brokerage. We can't say anything. 4 billion sold in like from being nothing to this, like it's insane. So it's insane. And I think a lot of people don't realize that, but when you are coming from like, you know, unless you've been in different levels, you kind of realize Hey, not, not saying that I'm from a different level, but I've just been at a different brokerage. So some people start here, they don't know any better. Um, but coming from different brokerages that have been here for way before I was around, yeah. and they're not even close to those numbers that we're hitting. Um, yeah, really, really proud of these guys. It's yeah. crazy. And his secret is, like Richard said, it's like he doesn't have secrets. That was the thing that got me. Is like when I worked at my previous brokerage for a couple of years, I was part-time. And I had a fine experience. Like it started to really a sea change in my life and, and brought me to Pearson Smith eventually. But like compensation, no matter how many houses I sold, I couldn't get to the right, yeah, you know, couldn't get my money right. And the technology was like very like year 2000 and all the portals didn't work and everything like there was, I mean, like I was impressed by the printer and the Danishes, like that's really all they had. And when you tried to reach out to other agents, everybody was kind of hustling all the time and not very collaborative. You know what I mean? And then you came here and it was like this buzzing corporate headquarters from a Pixar movie. And the boss is like the guy who invented the iPhone and he gives you everything you need. And he's like, yeah, come work for me, show up on Mondays and I'll feed you leads and you can quit your full-time job and change your life. And I was like, Oh, okay. How's that going to work? And he goes, I'm going to give you rookie of the year this year for whatever reason. And I was just like, why are you paying attention to me? Like what? what? I, I worked for my dad for 13 years. What the fuck is going on right now? Right. <laughs> and yeah. always sewing an arm over your shoulder and giving you, and the fact that you can like knock on his door, and he'll be like, oh, one second, and give you five minutes. I, I never met Jim Weikert. You know what I mean? Like that was yeah. – you just – you can't get that. And from a broker, it's like it's, – it is pretty astounding. Yeah. And then getting into coaching and mentoring and all the other things that I, I really feed my soul because uh, I don't know if you knew. I wanted to be a teacher growing up, and that didn't pan out. So, you know, paying it forward to younger realtors really gets me. Um, but, yeah, like I tell people, I don't have secrets. Like there's no, there's no special sauce. I will talk to you for 10 minutes and give you whatever I know. Cause we're not competing. You're not trying to sell my neighbor's house. I mean, in my, fun. in my experience, I think it's just showing up, man. Yeah. Like yeah. turn your computer on. Like a lot of times people like, you know, people ask me, I'm like, yo, 80% is showing up. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you like a little segue to that. Like when I wanted to do well, right. I want to be 30 under 30. This is before I got into real estate. I'm getting my license. I looked at the area and um, I remember uh, there was a guy who uh, lived in my neighborhood uh, at the apartment complex and he mentioned Leo Pereira. And I just Googled him and he was the number one Keller Williams team in the, in the country, 30 and the 30. And I'm like, 
there were articles like the Nets, uh, Wes Foster or something like that under like, you know, for Leo. So it was just like, that's a big, you know, I don't know who Long and Foster is, even though I'm not in, in, in real estate. Um, but that's what I was like, okay, this is what I want. And this is like, this guy's already doing it. So I just need to find him. Fascinating to me. And, you know, I don't know, I don't know if you attribute any of this to like your background growing up, immigrating here, just kind of how that all happened. But like, the visualization that took part of you going like, this is what I want. And then like, but very clearly knowing what it was you wanted, and then just going to get it. Like you knew you wanted to be a 30 under 30 before you were in real estate. Right. Um, I didn't know so that existed until I was in real estate. I, I didn't, I didn't know it existed. I Googled him. He was 30 and 30. I'm like, yo, I want to be 30 under 30. It's literally, so the whole cr- uh, 30 under 30 is created because if you look at it, the average age of a, of a realtor is 57 or something like that at that time. So um, NAR, National Association of Realtors, and Realtor Ma- is run by the Realtor, uh, they run the Realtor Magazine. So the Realtor Magazine created this 30 under 30 to entice uh, young agents into the industry. So it actually worked, right? So for yeah. me, I was looking at this guy, he's like the number one team in Keller Williams. I was like, I want to be the number one team, right? Or at least be part of it, right? And then it was just like, um, you know, 30 under 30. And he had all these other accolades too. And I was just like, okay, I like these two. I'm going to kind of go for that. In our in our interview, like, you know, the whole point of my story was I reached out to Leo because I had a, cl- a girl in my um, uh, Nova, like at, at the community college class. She was like, oh, because we were just chatting and she was like, oh, you want to be in real estate? My my girlfriend's uh, husband's in real estate. Maybe you've heard of him, Leo Perea. And I just went like, well, wait, Leo Perea. Like, I was like, how close are you? She's like, no, this is my best friend. I was like, wait, your best friend's husband's Leo Perea? And then I just kind of dogged her like every class. Hey, when are we, when are we hanging out? When are you taking me out? When are, you know, when are we going to meet? When am I going to meet him? When I'm going to meet him? Last class, she's like, hey, I told Leo about you. He wants to meet with you. Called Leo up. Didn't hear back from two weeks. Two weeks later, he calls me. And the whole story, where it's going. He, he called two people that were reaching out to him for an internship. And I showed up. The reason why I got the internship is because I showed up and the other person didn't. So I probably wasn't the best candidate, but I showed up. And that's like, he tells me to this day, he's like, you know, you got it because you showed up. And that's what I started paying attention to that. It's like just showing up, you know what I mean? Like, so, hey, I did it for four or five months. Then he said, oh, you didn't look serious. Six, like, and then we kind of fell apart for, uh, for about five months or so. And he's like, hey, you didn't seem serious. I went back, quit my job, got a one week's vacation time, like put it in. I quit my job to show him how serious I was that I really want this. Now, mind you, at Van Meter, I had a 401k. I had, you know, stability. They were giving me a discount on my apartment where my family lived. And I was just like, no, I'm really serious. Here, here you go. And if I think back, I was like, I'm glad I was young and dumb because I wouldn't do it again. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know what I was going into, but I was like, hey, you know, whatever. It is what it is, right? And And I was able to do that. And then obviously the rest is history because under his mentorship, um, you know, the, the bet paid off, let's just say. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. Just showing up, dude. That's, that's awesome. I love that stuff, man. It's so inspiring to me, uh, to hear people just taking risks. Cause that's what it is. You know, if you don't want to take a risk in your life, you're never going to get anything, you know, you're never going to achieve any goal that, that you have for yourself, right? That all, all of it's risk. There's no guarantees for anything. So, um, so yeah. and I'll, I'll go, I'll go one more. I mean, Hey, you know, this is what it's about, right? Yeah. So on, on our my third year with Leo, um, I told him like, "Hey, I want to go to Tony Robbins and unleash the power within." 
if I get nine sales in this quarter, would you send me? They're like, yep, goal is nine sales, quarter three, you get nine. And I didn't have anything going on at the time, but I was like, hey, this is what's going to happen. Long story short, I was just working, 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 didn't realize I got nine sales in the third quarter. He flew me out to um, unleash the power within, right? Now, the funny part is the whole reason I wanted something is like, hey, I'm ready, I'm ready, but I'm not sure if I'm ready. This is year three. I learned the game. I understand what I'm doing. I have over hundreds of transactions under the team. So like, I was like, I'm ready, I'm not ready, I'm ready, I'm not ready. I go to unleash the power within. Tony Robbins starts off saying, you already have, you already know what you came here for. And I knew like in my hand, it's like, I need to get some sort of wisdom, something to leave the team and go out on my own, right? And it's so funny. I go there. That's how he starts. And I'm like, damn, you're right. I'm ready. You know what I mean? Like, and yeah. the whole seminar was, it was, it was just like life-changing in a way. Yeah. Um, and Leo sent it to me. He doesn't know, but that seminar kind of changed. Actually, he probably does know. I probably told him. Um, yeah. But that told me like, hey, listen, I want to go out on my own now. And yeah. I'm ready, right? Like, and. and Leo's like, I'm right. never sending anyone to you. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, actually, the funny part is he took the whole team to WUP. Because uh, I. I went back and I worked um, as a volunteer for yeah. Tony Robbins. So I did that. Um, and I mean, you, you kind of just kind of, you have to go through the seminar once already in order to be able to volunteer. So I did that. Yeah. And so I was just working in the back background. I got to dab Tony Robbins up one time. So that was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, that being said, um, that year when I was working there, I had no idea. Then I see the whole team, like his whole team came through. Wow. He paid for everybody. Uh, took them all. Uh, he's, Took them all up to, and it was a different state too. I think it was New York, uh, New Jersey. So, yeah, it bounces around. I remember when I went. I went to the one in Orlando in like 2014 or 2015, something like that. It's interesting. One of my buddies uh, worked for him uh, in his. He like he has a sales team that they go around like three months before he has one of the Unleash the Power Within um, uh, seminars. They go into the city, and all they do is go like B two B sales. Right. And it was crazy because he was working at a bank and he was like, he's super visual, real into the secret, you know, uh, law, you know, uh, uh, law of attraction, all that stuff. And I remember just sitting and listening to him, like learn this, he had to memorize like a 50 minute script and they like, they flew him out a couple of times and he had to like practice it. And I remember it was like Tony's, uh, Tony's like brother-in-law was the was the guy who like did all the hires and stuff and he told me one time he went and it was at an event he flew out there and he gave it and he was like it didn't feel it was like he was like he was probably like 90 95 percent there and the guy was just like that was bullshit don't waste my time you come back i'll give you one more shot at it but you better give me 110 percent and he came back and he was like damn you know he had been working super hard on it and uh and then he went to the next one and he was just like i let it go i didn't worry about it it wasn't perfect from like i didn't remember every little word but I let that just emotion come through and they hired him. And uh, so he was able to bring me and another buddy of mine to, uh, to one of the, to one of the events. Like he was able to like get us in and comp our ticket. Cause it was super expensive. Um, and we went and we got to sit up at the front, bro. It was a game changer. I came home and all I did was piss my wife off for like two weeks. Cause you know, how he does all the, the like the neuro linguistic programming stuff. He'll be like, he'll be like guys, you just got to understand. Bow! And he'll like cement it with all those actions that he does. And I was doing that. I was like, babe, you just got to think bigger. You just got to think bigger. And she's like, I'm going to break your finger off. <laughs> do that one more time. So I was like, all right, I got to get her to go to a UPW. She doesn't understand. You got to know. You got to know. Yeah, you don't yeah. understand unless you go. It, it, it's one of those things. I think, you know, so, so, something like that. What it teaches you is it's, it's, I think it should be like a high school requirement. Really? 
Mm-hmm. I mean, you will change lives. You will change the country if people could go through something like that. Um, there's also another thing called landmark training. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like that was something that kind of was life changing for me. Um, again, mentor sent it to me. I, I mean, I, I know I'm doing a lot of shout outs to Leo, but, um, you know, coming from almost nothing in a way and somebody was there um, to kind of guide you properly. I think in this industry, you could kind of it's pretty big on who your mentor should be because, um, you know, you could go one way or the other really quickly. And yeah. what I loved about Leo was he was just he was a giving person like, you know, he he was the perfect guy to like guide you properly and then kind of letting you run the thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Cause in this industry, I've heard horror stories all the time from oh, teams, yeah. you know, from different team leaders. Um, people just don't know how to be a good leader. Uh, a lot of bosses try to run a team and, you know, it, it's usually not a good look, but I would say, you know, I, I was lucked out where I had a really good leader. who showed That's me the incredible, man. That's incredible. I mean, it, you know, uh, kudos to Leo on, on giving you that in, in environment to like thrive in and learn in, but like, kudos to you for making it happen man like you said you showed up and you kept yeah, you have to up. take those opportunities yeah, yeah for sure seek them for out sure. that's that's astounding let's you guys keep talking about tony robbins and everything um so i have a quick tony robbins story so i was at weikert richard left i wasn't making any money i've been bitching at richard for like a year and a half about how i hadn't been making any money and i needed to make i did just make some moves my kid was like a year old and i was working for my dad making nothing and god bless him and uh, so Richard goes, okay, let me take you to lunch. And I was like, okay, okay, uh, let's go to lunch. So in preparation for this lunch, because I did not know Richard that well at the time. He was just my boss. And we'd met a few times. He was a great guy, but I didn't really know him. And I listened to Tony Robbins tell the story, Richard, I don't think he's heard this, of his first job interview. And I transcribed it. I listened, I watched it on YouTube, and I transcribed it handwritten over and over and memorized Tony Robbins story about his first job interview and about taking those opportunities and about believing in himself before I went to lunch with Richard. Cause I was like, I don't know what this dude's about to say. I have no idea, but I know what he has is much closer to what I want than what I've got right now. That's and awesome. uh, yeah. So it's like, he's Richard is my, my lead. It's like, and then he was like, well, I think you're pretty great. And because you've only ever worked in the same place all your entire life, yeah, you have no idea what you're capable of. And uh, so, yeah, came to PSR, met Eric. And then Eric was like, okay, cool. Yeah, Richard says you're cool. So you're cool. Put you on the lead team. And uh, here's all this wealth of thousands of dollars a month in tools and technology and training and all these super successful people who are literally there to knock on their door and ask them questions and whatever. And uh, yeah, and I quit my job, like much like yourself, full-time job, family business, cut it ties. And the funny story is I, I took my dad's database with me. So he had like four or 5,000 emails from all of his clients that I've been answering the phone for for like 10 years. And I took them all and put them into my database. And I said, same industry. What's that? He's in a floor. He's a florist. He owns a flower shop, but it's local. So I was like, okay, I mean, I need something. So I'll just email all these random people who might know my last name. So I send out like, 4,000 emails. My first week at Pearson Smith, my first day at Pearson Smith. How'd that go for you, Peyton? Richard knows this part. So I send the email and one of the email addresses was my father's email. And the title of the email was Michael's flowers loses their favorite son. Cause oh, all my brothers work there. And my dad calls me on the phone. He goes, did you quit your job? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> cause I kind of like been planning on keeping part-time work. And he's, I was like, I, um, and I'm sitting in Ashburn for the first day. And I'm like, I 
think I quit my job. I think I <laughs> That's love awesome, you and this is my notice. And he's like, okay, then <laughs> I'll, I'll see you when you when I see you. Dude, that yeah, that that's that's awesome. Cool. Did you get any leads out of there? Uh, what leads? Uh, yes and no. Like uh, we still have a huge database, and they read it. Uh, my first year at Pearson Smith, I definitely had some conversations. I don't remember making any sales, but there were like some congratulations and stuff like that. People that were added to my sphere and stuff. Uh, the quality is certainly better than quantity, as you mentioned before, and the quality of my work is much better now than it was five years ago. In no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm asking only because, uh, you know, that's that's amazing, bro. I wish I had a database, you know what I mean? It was crazy. You, it was crazy. I'm, I'm kind of, like, it's been like five years, so I think I might sneak back over and see yeah. if I can, like, grab one. now you know what you're doing. So. Exactly. <laughs> I was like, he's got to have 5,000 more. I can just yeah. go ahead and add to my mailing list. He like that's, sneaks that's in. It's like a it's like a clandestine operation. Like middle of the night, he still has a key. Like oh, he didn't change the watch. You still have a key. Steals the hard like he just steals the hard drive off of one of the computers. Like yeah. Tom Cruise, like floating down, like doing one of those. Favorite Dude. Tom Cruise rom com: Night and Day with Cameron Diaz. Beautiful dress. What's that? Action comedy, hilarious. I love it. Ooh, we're going back down I mean, that. We're going back down that rabbit hole. I, I, I love that movie, so I know exactly. What I'm riding his motorcycle throughout, like yeah. yeah it's so fun. It's like what the Mission Impossible guy does when he's not literally saving the world and he's just kind of doing his thing on vacation. It's super cool. Have you seen Night and Day, Richard? No, I have. Oh man, if yeah. you like Mission Impossible movies, it is. Add it to your list, buddy. Yes, <laughs> it is a ten out of ten fun and Sunday movie. All right, well, two things I have then. So landmark training. I don't know anything yeah. about that. Real quick, tell me what that's about. So landmark training is uh, it's so hard to describe. You just got to do it. Uh, it's a whole weekend. They do it locally. There's one in Alexandria. They have an office. It used yep. to be called the S training. I don't know if you're familiar with the S training, um, but it's a seminar. They pretty much break you down to build you up. And it's a four-day thing. And it's from like 9 to 10 or something like that. And yep. it's like Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And pretty much you're going to have a breakthrough. And um, I, cry? I can't I cry? share what people share in there, but it's dark stuff, right? Like, you know, demons inside, like whatever you want to call it. Um, you cannot sometimes like for me and I, as, as messed up as it is, you know, I'm like, I'm an immigrant. I don't have my family. I don't have no database. What am I going to do? What, you know, like I always kind of like you feel you feel like a victim in a way. Right. Like always like something is, you know, blah, blah. You don't have this. You don't have this. I went through that training and I'll tell you, I had a breakthrough. I had an epiphany based on what other people were going through. And it was just like they're sharing. I didn't even share. Um, and long story short, it kind of makes you go from like, I don't know. It just teaches you from going from, you know, how you're looking at life as like a spectator hmm. in a way, like your life is happening to you. Yeah. And it teaches you how to be part, like run your life, be the hero of your own story in a way, right? Like mm -hmm. it kind of really teaches you that. I feel like it takes a lot of the negative things, a lot of your burdens um, out. I mean, I will make my kids go through this right out of high school. Um, you know, like as soon as they graduate, this is your graduating gift. Like, you know, so they don't have any baggage. They don't have anything. So it, it was life-changing. I would really recommend to everybody, um, you know, and it's like literally nothing. It's not all about business because every single landmark training is different. It's based on, 150 people that are there and what they're sharing. Some people share business. Some people share personal stuff. Hmm. And again, um, I don't want to share any of that stuff. It's just yeah. you got to go through it. And, I, and I'll tell you that it makes you from being a spectator of your life to change that and be the hero of your own story. So you don't see your life in a third person. You're running your own. 
And that was the biggest shift. I went through it and I made my wife go through it right away. Like, really? What was her, what was her like biggest takeaway? Um, her takeaway was something different. Like there's a lot of stuff that it teaches you. I think the reason why me and her have been successful based on our background or whatever it may be, because we were doing a lot of the stuff, but this was just kind of naming that stuff, right? Yeah. Like, so we already did it, right? We don't make anything be part of our story. Um, we kind of move on, forgive and forget type of th thing, right? Like, so there's a lot that builds up on people over time. I feel like, you know, whether it be family issues, this, that, whatever. I noticed that her and I were very doing this, you know, and I call it a training. It's like a way of looking at things, right? So they, we were already naturally doing it, but going through it made us realize what we were doing. And then it helped us, you know, get better with our family relationships. Like it tells you, you know, start where it's where to start, how to forgive and things like that, and really lifts you up. And it actually, you know, her experience was like, I remember like, you know, like not to give too much, but it did definitely help her relationship with her, you know, her, her family and stuff too. Dude, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. Cool. I love that kind of stuff, dude. Like, I, uh, yeah, I remember. Yeah, I mean, if you haven't been through it, man, it's a, it's a commitment though. Like it's a whole weekend mm -hmm. and, and, you know, you just got to sit through it. Cause halfway through, I was like, this is waste. And then the other half, I was bawling, crying. Like there was parts where I was like in full on tears, like, yeah. and, and I was just like, holy, I didn't even understand how it hit me, but it hit me. Yeah. At the Tony Robbins like, conference, I was copying. Yeah. yeah. So, like, so it's kind of like in line with like Unleash the Power Within, but very more personal, very more, like I would say, like, you know, intimate. And, uh, and it is life changing. So I don't know after the pandemic if they were doing much of this, but there should be, there's a leader that just runs this whole thing. It's, it's, it's great. So. Yeah, we'll look up the information. We'll yeah. do the research and we'll throw it in like the notes and that's stuff and comments. So yeah, that's cool. I'm gonna look into that for sure. That'd be that'd be that'd be a cool thing to do. I love that. I love challenging belief systems, going in there, shaking stuff up because you know, I think if you don't rattle the cage every so often, I think you're missing out on a lot of opportunities. Like we really do as we get older. I said it right when I was young, I would say it all the time. I'd be like, I'm not gonna turn into a person that just is like so set in their ways and thinking. And as I've gotten older, I've noticed that certain time I'll find myself going like, all right, this is the, what I think. This is what I think. And I don't find myself allowing my, my mindset to be challenged. Uh, it was, it was interesting because we had like our motivation video this morning on a Friday call. It was about critical thinking. And one of the comments that they made is critical thinking is not about being critical, right? Critical thinking is like about being curious, right? Mm -hmm. You need to be curious. You need to always be challenging, like thinking like, oh, I might have the wrong opinion here. And I love things that will do that, especially in a very structured way. Cause that's what growth is, man. It's just going like, Oh man, I, I, I get a different perspective. Look at this right. a different way. Uh, so that's cool. We'll look it up and we'll put it in the notes for sure. Yeah. yeah. I think, you know, with everything, you know, showing up is, is big, right? Like mm -hmm. a lot of stuff, you know, you got to show up, but the biggest thing I think that helps me is you got to like have your why, right? I mean, mm -hmm. I'm just taking it from what, what you were saying, piggybacking on it. It's like, um, obviously you got to learn, but, What's the biggest motivator, I think, is your why. And um, there's a book called Start With Why. I think I'm sure. Simon Sinek. He's my favorite author. I hate Simon Sinek, by the way. What? Um, All right. Shout out to him being my mentor that I hate. Because I don't like how he talks about mill millennials on podcasts and stuff like that. Because uh, oh. I'm a millennial. So I don't yeah. like how he talks, you know, calls us privileged, lazy. Because not all of us fit into that stereotype. At the same time, I love his book. Yeah, I've read a bunch of his books. So, again... 
Um, he is a mentor. I always think people that I listen to, I'm spending the time listening to eight, nine hours of their material. I consider them mentors. I'm not, yeah. I don't, you know, I'm usually following them on Instagram, but like, you don't need to have a conversation with the person for them to be your mentor. Right. Yeah. Obviously Richard is one of my mentors right now. Um, by the way, I gotta say it right. Um, BBS, uh, with rich, with the help of Richard. I mean, just so, I mean, a lot of people kind of know of me, I, you know, within PSR, I was ranked number nine. But it was all, all, all with Richard and Mike Snow and the whole um, BBS team because I was doing consistently 10 million, 10 million. I couldn't break that seal. And Richard being an amazing guy, just tweaking what I was already doing. And it was funny, six months in, I was like freaking out. And Richard's like, yo, we got to change your goal. I was like, wait, what? He's like, you got to, we're hitting 20 million now. So 15 million, you're going to way past that. I was like, wait, what? Like, I didn't even realize that I had that much business in the books. But, you know, I'm meeting with Richard on a daily basis, uh, monthly, weekly, whatever it was, and we're just doing the thing. So big shout out to, um, you know, Bridges Solutions. Well, it goes uh, both ways, man. Like I, I, I have tons of opinions, uh, de- de- tons of thoughts and ideas that I can give to somebody, but you got to show up and you got to do it. Right? Yeah, right. And that's the one thing that that's you were always thing. willing to do. And the cool thing is, man, like I really appreciate about it. And I don't know if it's because of like your upbringing and experiences or what, but like you've never been you're super approachable. You've never been cocky. Like it doesn't matter. You're super successful, 30 under 30, crushing it with Leo's team, doing a hundred sides a year, then going out on your own, hitting these accolades. Now you're 40 under 40. Like you do all these things, but you're like the most humble, like down to earth, approachable. You'll give away all your secrets and you show up to our meetings. Like, what can I do now? Like you're just real approachable and humble. And honestly, like, I think that's a common trait with people who are just really big thinkers is going like, I'm going to show up. I want to be better today than I was yesterday. I I appreciate that a lot. I think, you know, me on a personal level. So you kind of felt that I think initially people think I'm cocky. Um, I have, I have gotten that a lot, but I tell people I'm not cocky about my business at all. I'm cocky about my looks. Yes. About my hair. (laughs) Yes. But, but honestly, it's a defense mechanism and we're sharing like, you know, growing up here. So I came here in 1999. You guys got to understand September 11th happened my high school freshman year. And it was not easy going through being a Brown man in, you know, peak time of September 11th and being this young. And I was a scrawny little kid. I wasn't over 200 pounds at the time. So it was actually, yeah, totally made a shift, right? <laughs> um, but it was it was actually very, very hard um, growing up here in the era of September 11th yeah. and, uh, you know, going, being bullied, being pushed around, go back to your country, terrorists. Like I, I literally tell people September 11th, I went to school as a normal kid. I came back. I left school as a terrorist. Um, and it was just like that tag, right? I mean, you talk about it, even good friends, you know, joking around will call you terrorists, right? Like, and it was just like, at the end of the day, different life, right? So it it happened where not being being bullied, I was a scrawny little Pakistani kid, right? So all that stuff. So where, where I'm going with this story is I started realizing about, I would say, sophomore to, uh, sorry, junior to senior year and started making this like, hey, I am... Like I was like a affirmations, right? Like I am good. I am worthy. I am, I belong here. You know, I am just as American as you, you know what I mean? Like, so that's, that's kind of what I had to kind of tell myself. And then came the overconfidence type of stuff. Um, and it was a little later in life where I kind of found out that, Hey, I'm good looking. I'm tall, dark and handsome. And I had to tell myself that. And then it became a little cocky, but 
as I was bullied, I had to kind of bring that persona on. Yeah, right. So, you know, I've had several like, you know, meetups with people and stuff like that. If you talk about business, I'm still like 24 million sold, right? Like I have a good amount of money in the bank account, but I'm still like freaking out every day. Yesterday, I was talking to a couple of my buddies, uh, my accountability partner, and I was freaking out. I was literally freaking out saying, hey, I don't know what I'm going to do. And it's funny because all three of them were like, Salik, you got this. Stop, stop tripping. You got this. You know what I mean? Again, like the whole point of my story was like, you know, I kind of was bullied and all that stuff. And I built up this persona of overconfidence to kind of combat that. And obviously I'm learning not to do that as much as I get older. But a lot of times when first people met me, they had like, oh, he's cocky. But as soon as they get to know me, it's like everybody says the same thing. Hey, you are the same person when I met you day one. And, you know, I was like, you know, I had a little different story in my head about you, but I'm definitely, I would say I'm one of the most genuine person once you get yeah. to know me, right? Like that's, yeah. and it's, 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 it's hard, you know, there's a saying in Batman that kind of really resonated with me. It's like, who are you underneath that counts or something like I'm paraphrasing, right? Yeah. It's not what you do. It's what, you, uh, it's not who are you on the inside. It's what, what you, you do, do that matters. matters right? yeah. That, that I was like, okay, I got to start being a little less cocky, right? Like, you know, yeah. um, and that's when I realized, um, you know, again, a lot of people think initially that, you know, I'm like a little overconfident, but I think I've gotten better over time with that now. But again, yeah, yeah, you, know, I mean, you could say that. and I really appreciate that. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I did because I, you know, and hopefully people take that and they realize, oh, dude, I should I should take a minute to talk to him because if they have thought they're like, hey, this is just this cocky dude. He does a lot of business. You know, he's all in his head. He's arrogant. I couldn't think, I, you know, I could, that couldn't be further from the truth from my experience, man. You're just always so humble. Like, yeah, I always say, like, we'll get on our calls and you're just like bright eyed and like, I'm ready. What, what can I learn? You know, and I always get that feeling from you. And that's not typically your, you, you know, your person that presents as egotistical or cocky or like overly confident in their abilities. Like, I think that there's definitely a difference between being confident and being cocky. And I think you might be confident in your looks and your swag and your persona right. and those things. There's nothing wrong with that, man. You know, for a long time, you didn't have that, you know? So being able right. to wear that and go like, hey, you know, I'm proud of who I am. I'm pr- I think there's too many of us. I've told people before, I'll sometimes walk into my bathroom, see myself in the mirror. And the thought that goes through my head is that dude's a piece of shit, like genuinely. Like that's the first thought that goes through my head. So there is definitely times when I'm like, I really wish I just appreciated me for just being me. So don't ever change that because at the end of the day, who you really are is who I've met and gotten to work with. And that's something I'm like, I'm proud to call you a friend, man. Like you're, you're, you're a good Thank dude you. for sure. So I think that's profound. Just that, that whole, that whole thing that you talked about. So um, thought I had though, I do want to ask you a question. You've got good stories and that's really what the purpose of this podcast is. Right. Tell me a story that I've definitely not heard. Doesn't have to be business related, but just something like crazy or maybe like, really funny or experience that you had in your life that you're just like, dude, when I, when, when someone like asks me about me or like a, like a, like an anecdote that I share, like, this is like one of my go-tos, you know, how I met my wife. I like, I, 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 I bagged my wife. Cause I, I, I thought that the thing that would move the needle and, and her, you know, wanting my number and to follow up with me was I'm born on the 28th of February, but I, I, I told her I was born on leap year. Cause I thought it would make me more interesting. And in fact, she is smart enough to know. She's like, oh, what year were you born? I was like, 1986. She goes, that wasn't a leap year. And she immediately <laughs> called me on my shit. And I was like, God damn it. You know, so you like have those moments where, you know, you you, you think that you're going to take it one way and it doesn't go that way. What are one of those for you, man? 
Ah, man, it's funny. Um, I'll tell you, I remember the first day I saw my wife. It was in yeah. the high school cafeteria at Stonebridge, and she walked in mid-year. And as I remember the day what she was wearing. And back then, those jersey dresses were really hot. And, bro, from, like, you know, they say love on first sight. I definitely fell for her the first time I saw her. So, so just to kind of give you that. And I, and I was friend-zoned. Um, oh. So it took me six or so years after high school. Like, it took me a while. Uh, yeah. Well, six years in total to get out of the friend zone. Yeah. Um, you know, we used to hang out all the time in high school, go on dates and whatnot. And she would invite her best friend and we we're all going, you know, and then all of a sudden took six years of persistence, um, you know, continued follow up. And uh, <laughs> 2008, she actually gave me the chance and made it official. And it's funny because we didn't really, you know, set a date or anything. Yeah. Um, but I went back to Pakistan for my uh, my my sister's wedding. And that's when I wasn't in, in communication with her. And that's when I like felt it from her. Like she's outreaching me, uh, to me and she's like, Hey, what's going on? Are you alive? What's going on? And I was like, Oh, okay. Somebody's actually interested. Yeah. So six years of, uh, um, following up, but that's just the, you know, getting out of the friend zone and stuff like that. So, um, fair share. But one of the crazy things I could think of is a guy just yelling at us cause we were late. And I'm showing a house. I have a client. I don't know this guy. It was like an online lead type of thing. And we are at the door. And this guy just laid it into us because we were like 15, 20 minutes late or something like that. Mm -hmm. And it was funny because I was like, holy crap, like, what do you do? You know, you get all tensed up. You're in front of your client. And all of a sudden, my client started laughing and cussed him out instead. He's like, you don't want to sell your house. And I'm still good friends with Josh till this day. <laughs> because <laughs> that experience totally changed, like, you know, the whole outcome. We're actually hanging out and going to lunch on Monday. Um, and, you know, he bought that house. He sold that house. He's moved on. He's living in Reston and whatnot. But I remember, like, it was, like, really awkward. And I was, like, all tense. And it was, like, one of those places where you didn't feel in control, right? Like, yeah. you're showing a house. Owners there coming out and cussing you out for being late. And it was just so funny where my client just, like, F you. We're late. <laughs> But, you know, we're on other people's time. You don't want to sell your house. And he just, like, laid it to him, which was, just, which was pretty fun. That's classic. I love that. But, I mean, it was, it, it's, it's like one of those unique moments where, and, again, if it was a friend, I would expect that, right? But it was a, at that time, we were just, it was an online lead. I didn't know him from anybody. And, like, you know, that changed it. And I think we went to Chick-fil-A after that and had a meal instead. And it was, it was, it was a good time. That's awesome. Love that. I love that. Yeah. The only thing I, that, that comes to mind for that one is I remember I showed a property and it was like a super hopper. It was like an REO back in like nine or 2010. Uh, and there was just like a line of people waiting to get into this property. And this eight dude, the balls on this agent, this agent comes out of the front of the house. Like they lock the door. You ever do that? Like they take the key out of lockbox and then they lock the front door. And then they like made, made everybody wait. And back then it was pretty normal. Like everyone would just go like, Hey, I'm going to go downstairs. You go upstairs. It's, you know, it's fine. Um, and they don't have it as segmented now with showing time where you can like book the appointments and stuff. So you would just be like, Hey, I'm going to do the showing you go and whatever. But this dude came out and we were all waiting and uh, he takes the key and he locks the front door and he closes the lockbox. And as he's walking back to his car, he just dangles the keys like, ha ha ha, you're not getting into the house. And they got in the car and left. Cause he didn't want to see like, he didn't want anyone else to look at it. He was going back. He's like, I'm writing an offer. By the time you guys sort out and being able to get access to the property, it's going to be gone. And I was just like, 
crazy. That's why you see veteran agents will have a sentry lock and a combination lockbox too, because, and I always do that with the two lockboxes is because of that. Um, and I mean, it used to be a thing. I think people have gotten better, especially yeah. since back in the day, I think it was more combination box. Now right. it, you're tagged to your, when you go you, in, yeah, yeah uh, you know, you get in trouble a lot quicker. That's crazy. But I remember when I started too in 2014, people, keys were missing all the time in our listings because people would try to, uh, yeah, not let other people see it. So they don't have the time to write on the offers, which is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That's bananas. Um, What's the yeah, coolest place like, you've ever been to geographically? Yeah. in this, in this market, I mean, in this industry, like, yeah. you know, I've seen every, everything from like going into foreclosures. You were talking about that. I mean, do you, house being full with mold and you see somebody in a bandana like cleaning up the mold and i'm like yo this is gonna go back on the market like what's going on like like crazy you've seen crazy stuff right um people always talk about like being on like these hgtv shows and i'm like always thinking like how much stuff are they hiding because all the stuff that i see in this market i was like i would never want to be in part of one of those shows man like oh my god all the background yeah, they, they, I, they fluff a lot of it though. They they do they do. And I've heard like they're like, hey, we're going to show you three houses. And they're going to pick one. I've heard they already bought that house months ago, right? Oh yeah, like, they go back and do it. Yeah. So so typically they're under contract. They're ready to close. I've actually had uh, actually recently last year. Uh, it oh it should be on house hunters already. It was one of my listings, but it was not the house they picked. But it was like one of those two that they didn't pick. But the people were already under contract. So HGTV came and booked the house off for the whole day. I think that threw like a couple of hundred bucks uh, to my client just for that day. That's, um, cool. That's cool. Yeah. But it was, uh, it was, it was like, Hey, it's fake. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 You brought up REOs. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to share my craziest REO story. And if this prop, if this shakes anything loose, you can go. So right. um, there was this property, it was in Dale city. And what's crazy is Dale city is in Woodbridge. It's like a huge homeowners association. Pretty much the entire zip code is this one HOA. And that specific zip code was actually the sixth worst hit foreclosure market in the country. It was like one in every three houses was either in default or had foreclosed. It was insane, dude. And so you saw all kinds of craziness when you would show houses over there. There was one, this homeowner was so mad that his house went into foreclosure. What he did is he bought, like they were getting ready to come and like change the locks and boot them out. He bought like three huge bags of dog food. And he cut them open and he put them throughout the house. So middle up, the basement, middle level, and top floor. Uh, cut them open. And then he bought like 20 baby chickens. And he put them over the house and he put out water and stuff. And so, you know, the REO process, it takes a while. Like once he got booted, they were all in there. Usually they don't go and check on the properties for a while. And these chickens just basically ate and grew up in the house. And then all of a sudden the food ran out and they all died all over this house. And they had to condemn the property. So this seller was like, yo, I'm getting even. You can take my house, but it's going to be over 20 dead chickens' bodies. Like, you know, that's how this is going to go down. And I remember we were like, hey, how can we get in that property? They're like, you can't get in that property. Like, it's 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 not good. It's not good. And that just blew my mind. One, the level of, like, creativity. I don't even want to say creativity. It's just a very – that's a very horrible thing to do. Right. Uh, but, like, that they that, that, was, that was their solution. Like, that, that's how I'm going to get even with the bank. It was insane. Yeah, I, I've seen some bad ones because obviously when I joined Leo, um, 2014 market kind of came back already, right? Somewhat. It was, not a, it was not in his prime. I have some stories of Leos that I don't want to share, but like <laughs> I've heard some stuff, right? Yeah. But 
what I've seen, like, you know, crazy stuff like that. Obviously, people were pulling copper pipes. They were putting holes. I went to one property that we had a listing or whatever. They took out everything. Like, typically, people took appliances with them because they could sell the appliances, build sledgehammer, make some holes and things like that. I'm talking wiring, canisters, uh, cabinets. The people gutted the house. They left the drywall. They took away the flooring, like everything. And we didn't do it because that's typically what we do to list the house, right? Like make it uh, clean as possible. And I was like, wow, these people like really and ripped out the copper pipes and things like that. But I'm, I'm hoping that we never see that t- time in any near future at all. No, I don't think. Um, Because I I mean, it was sad times too. You know, it's like people were feeling like they got got, and they did. You know, the not to point any fingers, but lenders were doing that crazy stuff, right? Yeah, and and it's just sad. So people were pissed off. Let's do rapid fire questions, and we're just gonna think of them randomly, and you just like, yeah, we can maybe even do like word association, or like you have to tell us your opinion, maybe a this or that. You want to do a this or that, Peyton? Sure, sure. Let's do it. Get started. So I'll start. So let me see. Let me say um, Mo's or Chipotle. Ooh, Mo's. Mo's. To Mo's. I think it's what you had before. Okay. 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 Peyton, okay. what do you got? Uh, Chick-fil-A or Popeye's chicken sandwich? Ooh, Chick-fil-A all day. Yeah, Chick-fil-A, I can't. It's a dumb question. Uh, let's see. Great Chick-fil-A. I've never craved Popeye's chicken sandwich. Um, all right, so that's all cool. about the salsa Chick Fil A. I can't get enough. I think we're going with like restaurant themes here, so we're gonna go. We're gonna go. Oof, uh, Longhorn Steakhouse or Outback? As we talked about it earlier, Outback, man. I mean, see, Outback is tied as a kid, like you know. Yeah. Play football. Team the team yeah. dinners. You can't beat that. Team dinners. I like it. Oh, oh, I got one. Uh, I got one. Let's do this. Uh, football or football. Football or football? Oh. Football, football. <laughs> but you're going to go with football? Good. All right, next one. Okay. All right, Ellie's got a couple in the chat. That's, that's oh, here we go. Right now. So uh, would you rather hear a funny story or be told a one-liner that makes you laugh? Sorry, what was that? Would you rather hear a funny story or a great one-liner joke? A one-liner joke. Yeah. Ooh, okay. All right. Uh, guacamole or salsa? Salsa. <clears throat> Sure. Okay. All right. Okay. Weird. I agree. Guacamole. Oh, okay. okay. Weird vegetable butter. I can't do it. Uh, okay. Uh, I like sleep- guacamole, but I prefer salsa. Heard. Good. Okay. Ba- babies dressed as animals or animals dressed as humans. Animal dressed as humans. Okay. Weird. Super okay. funny. <laughs> Alex uh, killed me in the chat. <laughs> okay. This is awesome. Sneakers. Uh, Sneakers or dress shoes? I would say sneakers. I could kind of read these through too. No, you can't read them. They, 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 the audience can't know that you can read them. These are gonna be surprises. Go over to the chat. Put your blinder up here. All right. So, what do you say? Sneakers or dress shoes? Sneakers. Yeah. Used okay. to be dress um, shoes. Yeah, me too. Me too. Great day at home. Like beautific day at home or amazing day somewhere. I'm out. I, I, I like to be out and about. Okay. Amazing day somewhere. Uh, would you rather do a staycation or go to a like domestic beach? So not an international flight, right? So we don't have anything exotic. Domestic here, like, beaches are, are shitty. So <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. So that's the thing. That's why I was with the, yeah, yeah. You got things. Ocean shitty. <laughs> why not? <laughs> um, I hate saying that, but uh, yeah, uh, probably, probably still the beach. The beach. Still going to the beach. Get some sand, especially with the little ones. 
my my daughter enjoys the beach so man ellie's on fire with some of these massive success by accident or modest success on purpose there's no such thing as massive success by accident no there's a lot of people that attribute their success to luck uh the harder you work the luckier you are i have never believed in luck it's just so funny right um, I mean, even look at my story, a lot of my friends are reaching out. I haven't seen them in a while. And they're like, oh, you're doing great. I'm like, bro, nine years of overnight success. There, there, there it is. I think that's what we close on right there. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> nine that's years of overnight it. success, right? Like, it's like, I've been in real, actually, if you go back my Van Meter days, it's going to add another six years to that. So it's like 15 years of overnight success. 15 years so, of overnight success. I love it. Salik, if people wanted to reach out to you to get you to know a little bit better, maybe talk shop with you, maybe uh, maybe they need your help as a real estate agent. Uh, how can they get a hold of you? Uh, where are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to chat, but I'm going to tell everybody right away, um, if you are not part of the coaching group as a real estate agent, get with it. Um, I know you've probably done some other coaching groups at other brokerages. It's not the same. I went from 10 million to 24 million, and now my standard is 20 million because of what this coaching group provides. 80% of it is showing up, so you gotta show up. You gotta do the tasks. If you don't do the tasks, nothing happens, right? Massive actions. Um, If you wanna get a hold of me, I will talk to you, but I'll say number one thing is join the coaching group. I'm not paid to say this. Um, I don't get a free month or anything like that, Um, but I'm just telling you because it gave me results. Um, a lot of times people are like, you know, reaching out to me and I'm like, yo, talk to Richard. Don't talk to me because he could actually tell you what to do. Um, I'm happy to chat though. Uh, follow me on Instagram, solid cover at solid cover. Um, uh, my phone number is everything is available on Instagram. So the Instagram is probably the best way. And we'll drop it all in the, uh, in the, in the post meeting remarks, uh, for them to get a hold of you. Uh, solid. I can't thank you enough for being on today, man. Super good. I appreciate you guys. Fun. Looking forward to. Seeing how this year goes, guys. Yeah, man, yeah. for sure. Well, thanks for a lot sure. for being a guest. We'll uh, wrap you soon, buddy. Sounds good. Thank you. Bye, guys. Later. All, All right. right. With that, man, you want to close us out, Peyton? Yeah. Thank you, audience. Thank you, Solik. Thank you, Richard. And thank you, Ellie. What another super fun hour-plus long episode of Untold Riches. Uh, man, great stories about personal successes and trials. Uh, I found that really motivational. I got to be honest. I'm going to get off and make yeah. some make some cold calls because I feel jacked. I'm inspired. I'm just going to start showing up, start showing up other places than my uh, than my extra bedroom. <laughs> I need to go. Uh, I need to go get out into the world. So uh, definitely was inspired by him. He's he's awesome, and we'll be putting this out here uh, very very soon. So uh, without further ado, then I guess we got to close out in traditional untold riches fashion. We ready? Let's do it. <laughs> All right, guys. See you next time. See you guys. <laughs>